You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. No Dave this morning on a beach somewhere sipping on a margarita, Patron margarita. Ty Butler in for Dave. You're used to hearing me at 9.15 when we do our little crosstalk, but filling in for him over the next three hours. We're going until noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. No guests today. We've got Stump Rothenberg an hour and a half from now, but it's all me and you for the next three hours. 1-800-919-3776 on Twitter at Ty D. Butler. We've got Jake and Harvey setting up shop in the control room. We'll chat to we'll chat with Jake at some point because he's got some explaining he has to do and maybe an apology he has to offer to Yankee Nation. But that's going to come at some point during this show. But for the next three hours, you and yours truly, Ty D. Butler, Twitter and Instagram. So today. How do we attack this? Because we're we're coming off one of my more miserable sports nights, sports experiences in quite some time. So let's start in the NFL. And we extinguish this idea that preseason doesn't matter. It's something that I once in the past have subscribed to. Preseason doesn't really matter. Maybe if you're a Packers fan and you employ Aaron Rodgers who's coming off back-to-back MVPs, you're in the conversation for winning a Super Bowl every year. Maybe if you're the Buccaneers, two years removed from winning the championship, Brady's your quarterback. If you're the Rams, you just won last year. Heck, if you're the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is your guy or you're the Bills and Josh Allen is your guy. Teams with nothing really to worry about, established head coach and quarterback tandems, preseason doesn't matter. But... For certain teams, rebuilding ones, organizations in the midst of a rebuild with an unproven triumvirate in the form of its GM, head coach, and quarterback tandem, desperately looking for some optimism to provide its fan base, preseason absolutely matters, which is why last night I was locked in, I was engaged, I was a half hour early to my television, thought the game started at 7, that's how excited I was. Jets preseason football, sign me up. Said no one ever, but that was me last night. And quickly, bam, Philly goes for seven plays, eight yards, a touchdown, and it's back to reality. But, you know, here's what I was excited for. We get the quarterback on the field, Zach Wilson. It is a season-long audition for him, looking to rebound from what was an up-and-down year, more downs than up. And quickly on the fifth play of the drive, an interception, Philly comes the other way, another touchdown. But you know what? Let's go full Zach Wilson experience. Here is where he comes down, responds, gives us what we were looking for the entirety of last season, and that's the ability to show that he can overcome adversity. Shows promise, escapes for a big run, knee buckles, out of the game. We are immediately hit with our first hashtag of the season, just six minutes into the preseason. Same old Jets. Now we're learning that it might not be season-ending, the injury to Zach Wilson's knee. It could be a PCL. But the immediate report, and David J. Chow, who's been prominent for diagnosing injuries via video. I don't know the efficacy of just being able to look at something and and say what a guy has and to what extent he's going to experience it. But we all kind of in unison said the season's over. It's a wash. 
you see Zach Wilson go down with injury. And what exactly do you have to look forward to this year? Because that's what it was about. It was the evolution of Zach. Can he become your franchise quarterback? That's what we're going to watch over the next over the course of the next 17 weeks. And then he goes down. So it was devastating. And then your mind starts to work toward what a possible solution is. And in come the NFL trade machine machinations of how do we get Jimmy Garoppolo here? And I'm going to be honest, like in the immediate aftermath of watching my quarterback go down, a quarterback I was so intrigued to see, it's hard for me to come to what his replacement looks like. So when Jimmy G is a name that surfaces because the the Niners have clearly moved on to Trey Lance and he threw a bomb last night. RJ, I know you enjoyed watching that. I have to be consistent on how I view this situation. First and foremost, don't know the extent of the injury. More tests are going to be done today. We're waiting for the results of the MRI. Uh, Robert Sala, who we're going to hear from in a moment, said the expectation is that his ACL is intact. Who knows what that means um, just because of how it's phrased and also because fresh off of Becton getting hurt in, in practice sounded like everyone was optimistic that they had avoided the worst-case scenario. Hours later, we learned he's done for the season. So who knows what the situation is for Zach Wilson and how long he's going to be out and what the timeline looks like. Looks like. But as soon as those test results come in, we will give that to you right here on this show. If he is done for the season, what a catastrophe Catastrophe that is for the Jets. An absolute catastrophe. Before we even get to the Jimmy G portion of this. How you go from being excited about the potential that was Wilson in year two with a healthy Makai Becton, who now becomes your right tackle. Your offensive line has improved. Drafted Garrett Rosen, Corey Davis, rebound season. Braxton Berrios, people forget, first team all pro last year. Elijah Moore emerging as your number one option at receiver. Brees Hall, who many considered could have been uh, the best running back in the draft. The Jets selected him. Michael Carter showed some flashes last year. You've got an improved offensive line. You've got some weapons. Don't you dare once again finish with the 28th-ranked offense. How could you when this is the quote-unquote embarrassment of riches you had? And then in the four-day span, you lose Becton for the season, and you might have lost Zach for the year as well. You saw the look on the sidelines of Robert Sala. He looked devastated. They, they, they TV panned to Joe Douglas, more of the same. Every Jet fan watching this yesterday was like, here we go again. If Joe Namath you know, sold his soul to the devil for that Super Bowl in 69, is there a statute of limitations on the purchase? Because we're just waiting for that bad luck to run out. Can, can we just punt on the bad luck? I don't even need the infusion of good luck. Can we just part with the bad luck so Jet fans can have something to feel good about going forward? Hopefully, the results of the MRI come back in a positive, and it's not as bad as we all expected it to be. On the Jimmy G part of it, I have to be consistent on this. Whenever I hear Nick fans react to, let's just say, a mediocre or average player, someone who can come in and help the organization win, and Nick fans are like, no, no thanks, I'm good. 
My immediate response to that is you cannot be the organization that in the span of the last 20 years has won one playoff series and decide that you are too good for anybody. So we bring that to the Jets' side of things. I can't be the Jet fan who's watched this team for the last 12 years just register DNPs for the postseason and say, Jimmy G, yeah, not good enough for my liking. Jimmy G, is he a perfect quarterback? Absolutely not. If he was, Kyle Shanahan wouldn't have drafted his replacement. But if you're the Jets, if you're Douglas and Salah, you can't afford to just, for lack of a better term, punt on a season because these losing seasons start to pile up. And all of a sudden, like, we don't really care about how you got there. We don't care about the the minutia, the details, injuries, and what have you. We just look at the win-loss record, and ultimately the this, this decision becomes you just haven't been good enough. So again, we don't know what the status of Zach Wilson is moving forward, but let's just for a moment pretend that he is done for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo has to be an option. So now let's go back to why there was a little bit of hesitation when I'm first going through Twitter and I'm, and I'm looking at the Jimmy Garoppolo buzz start to take shape. Now I'm watching Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, be inserted into this equation. Is he the answer? Uh, I don't know. The last two teams who had him, including the Niners, he's still on the Niners, but the last two teams who employed him decided he wasn't the answer. Now, given the Patriots situation was a little bit different, all the reports are that Brady just didn't want him there. And now with the Niners, um, Trey Lance just seems to be the guy that they have more trust in. But if Kyle Shanahan, who, from a football perspective, at least offensively, can, like Jesus, turn water into wine, uh, I don't know, and, and he decided that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough. I don't know how much I trust he's going to come to this organization and be a quote-unquote savior. But then again, I go back to my next point. I can't be the Jet fan who's like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of a team that was in the Super Bowl. Last year was the quarterback of a team that was in the NFC Championship game and could have very easily gone back to the Super Bowl. Not good enough. I cannot be that guy. So your reaction on what happened last night with the Jets, hard to really pay attention to anything else after you see Zach Wilson goes out. You're devastated. This is a big season, a lot of expectations, and not about making the playoffs, but just about seeing the team transition and hopefully end up in a place where you've now established this is your franchise quarterback. That's a question we no longer have to ask ourselves for the next decade. But what we're now staring at is, for the second straight time, quarterback taken high, entering year three, where it's still have no idea if this is our guy. It's a, it's a situation all too familiar for the New York Jets. How about that? Went through the same thing with Sam Darnold. How we got there a little bit different wasn't because of injury injuries. It was ineffectiveness. But with, with, with Wilson, the hope is that he can come back. But if he does miss the entirety of this next season, we're going into year three of this guy with no idea what he is and what he can become. So your phone calls on where you are with the Jets. Is Jimmy Garoppolo someone you consider to be a viable option? 
Jets just can't be in the business of going into a season resting on their laurels and saying, we lost our quarterback. Let's just figure it out as we go. I, I can't take the, you know, Joe Flacco looked good in, in training camp tweets. That's not the answer. Anyone but Flacco. Mike White, nice story last year. Like, if Jimmy G is the best option, go out and get him. So I'm watching SNY last night as they wrap up the, the Mets broadcast, and then the next show starts, and Maria Marino, who does an excellent job, worked with her at SiriusXM, she says, tonight could not have unfolded any worse for the New York Jets. And I'm thinking two things. Wow, A, that's correct, and B, replace Jets with Yankees, and the sentence still works. Tonight could not have unfolded any worse for the New York Yankees, who came into that game against the Red Sox as we transitioned to Fenway Park to break down what happened out there. Came into that game against the Red Sox, Red Sox losing 7 of 8. You go back to June 18th. How about this? June 18th, coming up on the, the, the two-month anniversary of that in a few days. June 18th, Yankees led the American League by nine games. Astros, way back in the rearview mirror. Nine games, the Yankees led the American League. Feels like a long time ago, right? Because now you look up, and it's the Yankees who are in second place, looking up at the Astros back one and a half games. And it's important because even if you're the most optimistic Yankee fan like myself who envisions that this is the year they actually slay the dragon and get past the Astros, I don't know what path you're getting there that doesn't include playing a game six and and game seven in the Bronx. I, I don't know that if you are someone saying, yeah, I think the Yankees will beat the Astros, you're also factoring in the Astros having home field advantage. That just doesn't seem to be the case for me. So last night, the Yankees on the Yes Network, I know a point of contention all season has been, you know, them playing on Apple TV and Amazon. Yankee fans just annoyed that they're not able to watch their, their team play. Now, could have had a petition last night to have the first eight and a half innings played on Yes and then move once Clay Holmes got into the game, move it to Amazon and move it to Apple TV Plus so we couldn't see that implosion that transpired last night. Because Clay Holmes, once again, blew the game for the Yankees. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, pardon the pun here, the chapter has to be closed on Clay Holmes being the closer for the Yankees. Worked wonders in the first half of the season with Chapman struggling, being injured, Clay Holmes emerged as one of the best relievers in baseball, earned him a spot on the American League All-Star team. The only problem is that since then, he's been another uh, utter catastrophe. First 38 games for Clay Holmes. Three runs, six walks. Sounds pretty good. Sounds like someone who was worthy of being in the All-Star game. Since the All-Star break, pitching to a 7-3-6 ERA. Last 11 games, 11 runs, 10 walks. Not great if you are a team with championship aspirations and every single time you get to the ninth inning you have to hold your breath meanwhile on the flip side Araldis Chapman continues to look good last eight outings eight innings pitched three hits was pretty good last night eight strikeouts in that span it's officially donezo for Clay Holmes being the closer of the Yankees now if you want to argue last night Boone lost that game maybe I'm open to it 
because like how it worked out was Chapman comes in, pitches the eighth inning. He ends up facing the more inferior part of the Red Sox order, where if you had Clay Holmes do that, maybe he's more effective. Chapman comes in, he's great. Ninth inning closes the deal. The Yankees get a win. Get a win. So I'll allow the criticism last night of Boone to be put on the table. Like, why would you not? You know, Clay Holmes is struggling. Why put him out there for the ninth inning? But the the the, the demotion has to come. Now, how significant of a demotion? I don't know. You still need him to be part of that equation in the bullpen. Chad Green, Michael King, done for the season. I know there are rumors of Zach Britton making a comeback, but that just feels like a wild card. The Yankees need Chapman. They need um, Clay Holmes, Loisica. They need all of these guys to, for the next three months of the season, pitch their best baseball of the year. Because I don't know that there's a formula for winning a title that includes you having suspect starting pitching and a shaky bullpen. It's it just, I don't know, doesn't feel like something that's sustainable for a team that's that's considered to be a contender. So your phone calls on the Jets. Two biggest stories from last night, Zach Wilson... We're waiting for the results of his MRI on his injured knee, a knee that he injured last year. Just having two consecutive seasons of, of, of injuries to your knee for your starting quarterback, your young quarterback, not ideal. And on the Yankees, panic meter, is it time for Clay Holmes to be done? And by the way, lost in the sauce last night. Imagine being the guy who doesn't vote Aaron Judge as the, the MVP. So Jake tweet out last night, might be watching the greatest season ever. Like just as us young, younger generation. I'm 29. This might be one of the best offensive seasons I've ever seen. And it's not just offensive because he plays a lights out center field, right field. But the story last night, unfortunately, wasn't him adding to his MVP case. It was the Yankees losing their eighth game in the last nine instances against a a poor Red Sox team who they destroyed prior to the All-Star break. So it didn't make you feel good. Yankees calls, Jets calls, line them up. We're going till noon. Ty Butler in for Dave Rothenberg, 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, and on Instagram as well. We'll be back with your calls. Jake, thank you, old Yankee Nation, and apology. That's going to come your way soon right here on 98.7 ESPN. New York City, please go easy on, on me tonight. Alicia Keys, Fabio, and Kanye with a dope record. What you get last night, if, if you're a Yankees fan, is an implosion. And, it, you know, Herman pitched well. So you get three straight really good pitching performances from your starters in Cole, Cortez, and Herman. Uh, but the bullpen just can't save leads. They just keep blowing it. And then for the Jets... They end up winning the game, and and in preseason, it matters for for bad teams, as I mentioned at the top of the show, but not the final score. You just watch performances, and uh, Garrett Wilson looked good last night, and the defense showed some signs last night, and then you feel good getting a walk-off. Again, it doesn't matter, but it was a a good feeling that uh, was just shielded by the fact that you're not concerned about your franchise quarterback being hurt. So it's just... 
more of the same from the Jets and then for the Yankees, more of the same the second half Yankees because they're losing games that the first half Yankees would have absolutely won. If you were leading after, if you were trailing after eight, after eight innings, the opposing team, you're drawing dead. You, you were not touching this bullpen. That these were games like you could start if you're at Yankee Stadium, start the Frank Sinatra song, New York, New York, once the Yankees are done batting in the bottom of the eighth inning because it was over. But in the second half of the season, that has not been the case. We'll get to your phone calls in a moment, Jake. So I keep making fun of you. And this was something that uh, I tweeted out uh, maybe it was yesterday or two days ago. And I think Clay Holmes we could all argue was the at least one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball in the first half of the season. Is that correct? Well, good morning, Ty. Yes, that is correct. And I think I know where you're going here. Um, just so for the audience listening, I was walking around in Manhattan. Wait, before we get there, before okay. we get there. All right, sounds we, we, good. We, 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 we will get there. All right. So Clay Holmes, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. The Yankees, I believe, had five All-Stars uh, in that game. We were entertaining conversations about, you know, how how do we measure this team up to 98? And it was silly back then, more silly now, just because that team had won before. They had, you know, future Hall of Famers all over the roster. It was it was laughable, but we had fun with it because the Yankees were on this historic pace, and it's a conversation that people eat up. But uh, so you've had the pleasure of watching Yankee baseball. For your entire life, you're a big Yankee fan like myself, and you know countless times we're talking. And you're like, man, this is one of the most exciting seasons that I've ever witnessed. Judge doing his whole thing. You now move. I don't know if I can give. Is this public knowledge where you moved? I wouldn't say where, but I moved to Manhattan. You moved to Manhattan. Yes. And one day you're outside, like you just just dropped your walking girl off to at the work. grocery store. You yep. Just dropped your girl off at work. You're walking to the grocery store. And you run into Clay Holmes. That is correct. He was ginormous. And people at the time, Yankees fans, were saying, how did you recognize Clay Holmes? Like, which I is laughable. Which is laughable. But realistically, the real reason, besides me watching every game and knowing what he looks like, I looked down the block and this huge guy, and if you look at the photo, you said I was cheesing a little too hard, a.k.a. smiling. Yeah, but yeah, a little too hard. I was very happy to meet one of my favorite players, and he still is. I know he's going through a slump right now, and we did hear some audio that we'll probably play in a little bit from Boone saying that he might not be, and he basically said without saying that Clay Holmes probably will not be the closer moving forward, but he's clearly going through a slump, and I think a lot of Yankees fans saw this coming. I mean, realistically, did any Yankees fan think that Clay Holmes was going to be untouchable this entire season? Probably not. He, But see, here's the problem. He was untouchable the entirety of this season up until this picture you took of him <laughs> and posted on Twitter. Uh, so this is June 23rd. Correct. June 23rd, Jake posted a picture captioned, and this is both on Instagram and Twitter, at uh, Jake Montgomery underscore. When you're walking to the grocery store and casually run into the best relief pitcher in baseball, who at that time was the best relief pitcher in baseball. Here's the problem. Since then, I mentioned the Yankees have blown a, a nine-and-a-half game lead to the Astros. They're now looking up at them in the standings since this picture, and Clay Holmes has gone from being the best relief pitcher in baseball to all he does is blows games. So, Yankee fans, I mean, I'm open to you attacking. J- Jake's my guy, but you, <laughs> it feels like you kind of have to bear so the brunt of some of the criticism. This is all my fault. Is this what is you're your saying. fault. I mean, you're cheesing hard. Like, if it's Beyonce or, or you know, or a 
Ashanti. I understand you, you know you go in ear to ear like that. That's so not with fair. Cheeks, but Clay. So Holmes, if it's a celebrity crush, I can smile. But yeah, I, you should I mean, see you if you thought a little too if much you saw, if you thought my smile with Clay Holmes was big, you should have seen it when I met Derek Jeter. I was, if you thought I was cheesing hard for Clay Holmes, I didn't. Well, you better be cheesing hard for Derek Jeter. That's the captain right there. Yeah, but but regardless, I know. It's your fault. You are the Yankee fans of the politics. I'll take blame. I guess I will apologize to Yankee fans for accidentally running into Clay Holmes. Not not that you ran into him, but that you posted this picture. And and since, I mean, it's not a coincidence that since you posted this picture that corralled uh, nearly 4,000 likes. He's just been, he hasn't been the same pitcher, and the Yankees haven't been the same. All right, Ty. Well, if you want to play that game, they've been about 500 since I met Clay Holmes. When did you become a host at 98.7? And congrats again. I know we talk almost every day, but on air, this is our first show working together, me producing one of your shows. So big congrats to you on becoming a host. But when did you be, I think last Thursday, correct? Last Thursday, yes. That was an off day for the Yankees, I believe? Yes, it was an off day. It was an off day, Ty. And since then, I believe... No, two Thursdays ago. So not this past Thursday, but last Two Thursdays, correct. So since then, what is the... I believe, if I'm looking at it correct, one in six? Is that right? Yeah, one in six. But here's the problem. Like, Mm. sample size Mm. does factor in. Like, if if you're doing scientific experiments, they look at sample size. Like, you can't just take six games and tell the story uh, of anything. You you go back to June, what did I say, June 25th? June 25th, June, June 23rd. they're about 500 or so, which is not great, but after a historic start to the season, 500. One in six, I'm not a big math guy, that's why I'm working here at the radio <laughs> station, but Ty, I could be wrong, one in six is less than 500. So are you going to give the apology to Yankee Nation? I will apologize to Yankee Nation for ruining Clay Holmes if you apologize for ruining the Yankee season. I have not ruined the Yankee okay. season, but I do I do appreciate your apology. And I just want to say one thing real quick. Go ahead, let me hear it. A lot of people talking about not trusting Yankees pitching these days, although Herman was pretty good last night. I know my name's Jake Montgomery. Did you see Jordan oh, Montgomery last been, night? I mean, how good has he been <laughs> since he went to St. Uh, Louis? Listen to this. Jordan Montgomery became the first Cardinals pitcher to win his first two, start, two starts in an organization without allowing a run since 1966. He pitched six scoreless last night with eight strikeouts. Yeah. We could use that right about now. <laughs> it's it's still it's still a trade that I'm questioning and I get you added some off, you know, some outfield depth. And defense in a month or two, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but the guy's hurt, so I mean, who knows the type of impact he's gonna have? But not great right now to be a Yankee fan. Not great right now to be a Jet well, fan. Well, Stanton, Stanton, they said it might resume baseball activities yeah. somewhat soon, so that's encouraging. But no, realistically, that was a trade like you said that I'm still scratching my head. My friend texted me after and said, "Whoa, Jordan Montgomery just got traded. That means they're probably bringing in a pitcher." I said to him, "Dude, this happened at." 5.59 a minute before the deadline. No trade is coming in. And with Severino out, uh, you know, a lot of the pitching, especially in the bullpen, realizing how big of a loss Michael King is now, this move and seeing him succeed in St. Louis, that's that's a killer. Yeah, it's a tough one. It, it, it's a killer uh, for the Yankees, who will be back in action against the Red Sox. Pretty cool tomorrow night. Uh, Jeter's going to be on the K-Rod cast with Michael and A-Rod, so... Looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking to all of you out there, all the Jet fans, uh, on the night where you were expecting to see some semblance of you know, functionality out of your quarterback that was going to give you optimism heading into the season. Uh, we saw the opposite of that. He threw an interception on his first drive. 
got injured on the second drive, and now we wait for MRI results. Meanwhile, the Yankees losing again, this time in Boston, on a walk-off in the 10th inning. Uh, it's almost like when Clay Holmes... I know the ghost runner becomes uh, active in extras. It's almost like for other teams, when Clay Holmes is on the mound, there's a ghost runner immediately at second base because all he does is walk guys, and they come around to score. So the Yankees blow that one last night. And we'll look to rebound today. I will get to your phone calls. I see you guys lining up, Yankees fans and Jet fans. We will do that when we get back. 800-919-3776. Line them up. Stump Rothenberg in an hour from now. Uh, Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. It's me and you until noon right here on 9870 SPN. It's me and you until noon. Ty D. Butler, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. And hit us up on the phones, 800-919-3776. Speaking of the phones, that's where we head. Batting leadoff is James in Tampa. James, what to do, baby? What's the Ty, man, it, it's been a long time, man. Congratulations on all your success, my guy. Thank you. you. Know, Thank you, I really fam. appreciate it. Oh, yeah. You're no right problem. Now, no Thank problem. You. Absolutely. You, you know I'm not a Jets fan, but I know that you're – feeling a lot of the pain, especially with Zach, and it seems like everything that can go wrong with the Jets somehow will go wrong. So I guess my question to ask you personally, since you're a big Jet fan, is what can the Jets do to salvage that season if, if Zach Wilson has to miss either a substantial amount of time or all the season? We hope he doesn't, but what, what can the Jets do to make this season more you know, competitive because you can't go five and and twelve and four and thirteen and just and make the excuse of well we didn't have our quarterbacks that 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 can't happen. Yes, and uh, appreciate the call, James. And um, been talking to you for years, so it really do means a lot to me for you to express those sentiments. And to answer your question, you are spot on about your analysis of this season. The immediate feeling I had watching that game last night was I was so devastated. I mean, you go through, like, the emotional turnstile of, all right, here we go again. I was so excited to watch this. And and as you mentioned, everything that can go wrong just seems to go wrong. It's the most significant injury uh, or test result that we're awaiting since when because this is bigger than last year with Carl Lawson. That was devastating to the defense. But this is bigger than that. This is bigger than Geno Smith being punched in the mouth and what was that, 2015? This is bigger than uh, those two. I guess you got to go back to when Mark Sanchez hurt his shoulder in the final game of that preseason that he shouldn't have, have been in. Um, go back to that, Chad Pennington hurting his, hurting his hand. Like This is as significant as an injury for the Jets as we've seen in quite some time. Uh, so as you're processing that, hard to really engage in, you know, where do you go from here? But that's what the GM and the head coach has to be focused on because, as you mentioned, coming off of 4-13 and last year, you can't continue to pile up losing seasons and expect, one, your fan base to be encouraged, and two, the owner of the team and, and, and those who are in the higher-ups to feel confident about, about you going forward. And maybe if you have some cachet and you have like a resume that says – these are the guys that we believe in because we know they can deliver us to the promised land. Maybe you can be afforded a, a bit of, well, you know, an excuse that your quarterback got hurt and you experienced injuries. Maybe the leash is longer. But for a team in a rebuild, I mean, fair or unfair, 
like the win loss record, it, it's it, it becomes a stain. And for Joe Douglas, like I've I've said on on a number of shows, the 2020 draft, which we'll talk about, like the Becton injury now is the story in the immediate future because you're losing your franchise, a guy who you drafted to be your left tackle, you moved him, you're losing him for a significant amount of time. But the big picture becomes how much of an indictment that was on the entirety of the 2020 draft when you take Becton and Mims with your first two picks. So Joe Douglas already is having to respond to what was a bad first draft for him. And this year you come in with all these expectations. Wilson gets hurt. It sucks because, I mean, that's not on Joe Douglas, but you become a product of your circumstances. And you drafted a guy who, again, it's unfair. Like, I I hate to even say this, but now in year two is hurt again. So, like, these guys keep getting injured. It's it's not going to help you reach success. So it's a tough situation to be in, which is why you only get 32 of these positions. And... You know, if you're if you're really good at it, you you do your best to hold on to them, and hopefully the Jets have that. I still have confidence in Joe Douglas. I still think that this class that everyone is raving about can lead to future success. It's just in the immediate in the immediate aftermath of losing or potentially losing your franchise quarterback for the season, you go to what the options are that are available, and I don't want to hear about Joe Flacco and Mike White. I think I do have to entertain some trade talks with San Francisco involving Jimmy Garoppolo if this injury is something that's going to take Zach out for the season. If it's not, then we've avoided the worst-case scenario and we can look forward to what should be a fun season for the Jets with with Wilson in year two. But if not, then you got to go to Jimmy G route. Danny in Long Island, what's up, man? How you doing? Good morning, Jay. Nice talking to you. Since I last talked to you, I have— Five grandsons now. Two wow. more have arrived. Wow! Congratulations! Congratulations! Yeah. You rounded out the infield. You got a starting. You got a starting five now, ready for the That's NBA. Right. The oldest guy starts t-ball in the fall. I'll be down there since my last son just graduated high school. Since so it's the circle of life. Well, congratulations! About emotion. Congratulations about emotion. to you, Danny. Congratulations! Thanks. Really happy for you. Before I touch on the baseball. You know, you look at Salah and you do all this preparation. These guys live in the locker room. They live watching film. And about six minutes into your first game, your starting quarterback goes down. And he now has to stand on the sideline and coach. That's like, have, that's like finding out your wife is in labor and not leaving work. Like he had to stand there and coach a preseason game, knowing full well his entire season was hanging in the balance in the locker room. I mean, I felt so bad for the guy. But they have to remain focused, and you're the leader. You have to remain focused, and it is next man up. Now, I agree with everything you said. If this guy's gone for a year, I don't think it's going that way. It seems to be something different. But if he's gone for a year, I'm calling up Jimmy G because he's always available. He doesn't get hurt that much because I can't. The Jets can't wait another year to find out if this kid. I tell you what was more as alarming as the injury was was the interception he threw over the middle. This is a vanilla defense playing in their first preseason game. A lot of people who aren't ever going to make an NFL team, and he throws a, he throws an interception across the middle. Horrendous. It was Corey Davis, and he's just staring him down the entire route. It, yeah, it is so he didn't the show me any growth. Most blatant sign of youth and, and experience. Staring your receiver down the entire way. Like he didn't even look off of him at, at any point. He decided he, the route he, he was going to, he decided the play he was going to go on, go with. 
the he knew the route obviously that Corey Davis had, and he's just staring him down the entire time. I, I, I don't get it. Uh, so interesting. Now we talked about the baseball, and I I called the K show early in the week, and I said. I quoted Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Because very rarely in a 162-game season can you have a moment when the Yankees or Mets are at their highest and lowest. And that's what they have right at this point. The Yankees, every night they find a new way to lose. They probably weren't as good. When they were winning all the games, they weren't as good as we thought they were. And, of course, they're not as bad as they are now. they got a lot of people out with injuries. The Mets, obviously now when you win like 13 out of 15, everything's going good. Balls are hitting the base. Bloopers are falling in. It's a wonderful time to be a Mets fan for a change. The Yankees will be fine. They, they built themselves up a big lead. They're allowed to rest Stanton as long as they can. They can do with Stanton what the Mets did with DeGrom. You stay there as long as you have to. Three, you know, we're not going to rush you back. We need you in October. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're going to do with their starting lineup. They'll be fine. I don't know if they're going to win or not, but that Montgomery trade, that, will, that could go down in the history books if the Yankees pitching fails as one of the worst trades in the Yankee history. Mind-boggling. Yeah, and I appreciate the call, Danny. Um, it, it's one that I still struggle with. Like, I can't just comprehend, and I consider myself to be a smart guy. I cannot comprehend the idea that a, a team with question marks littered within its rotation, trading away one of their most, one of their most reliable arms and getting nothing back for him outside of a, an outfielder, like you traded for Frankie Montas, and like that was the upgrade that was coming to your rotation. But you didn't. But it wasn't like you traded him for Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery was was part of a a separate trade to St. Louis. I I just don't understand it, and it doesn't look good right now that he's been pitching probably the best baseball of his career since he's been traded, and it, it never came across to me that you know the the lights were too bright for Jordan. He he was he was good. He was what he was. He was a a fourth or fifth starter. But for a Yankee team that doesn't have like this elite rotation, where there, there's such a, a a gap between, you know, obviously Cole is on his own, but then everyone else. There wasn't this gap between everyone else and Jordan Montgomery. So I don't understand it. I really don't get it. More of your phone calls coming up. Uh, we will dive more into. The other team in town as well, the Mets, having their six-game winning streak slap la- uh, snap last night. It's funny. You hear the trumpets, and I thought every time the trumpets played, it, it just meant that they were they were going to win. That, of course, didn't happen last night. That's me just you know taking shots at the Mets. But they're doing very well. And as Danny mentioned, you've got the Mets and the Yankees. And the Yankees are struggling right now, but both teams will be October participants. Both teams will uh, buy at the very least, by some, be favored to win their respective leagues. So it's a fun time that we have. Hopefully Zach Wilson avoided the worst of things last night. We'll have a Zach Wilson-led Jets team, a Daniel Jones-led Giants team, and it's the you know season's brand new, so you can come in, into it with the, the highest expectations you've had all year. And then we've got two baseball teams where both of them will be active participants in October and maybe a potential date in the World Series. Jeter documentary is over. Excited to talk to you about that as well. I watched a movie yesterday for the first time, and I think it's embarrassing that it took me this long to watch said movie. Uh, Harvey and Jake are going to make fun of me for it. It's 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 one of those movies that you have to have seen, and I watched it for the first time yesterday, so we'll talk about that as well. So much to do. 
saw a movie for the first time yesterday, and one that I know everyone has seen, and I'm super late to the party. We'll talk about that uh, at some point in the 10 o'clock hour. I got a tweet from Steve Brzezinski, and he asked what I feel like is such a ridiculous question. And I love Steve, big fan of the show, big fan of the station, but he says, which team is more cursed? Is it the Jets or is it the Vikings? Uh, here's why it's so ridiculous. Vikings, playoff appearance, 2019, lost in the division around. Playoff appearance, 2017, lost in the conference championship uh, that year. 2015, playoff appearance. 2012, playoff appearance. So right there, the conversation maybe is over because the Jets, since 2010, haven't made the playoffs once. Meanwhile, the Vikings have done so four times. From 92 to 2000, the Vikings made the playoffs every single year outside of one. Now, the one thing that the Jets have that the Vikings don't is a Super Bowl. But, I mean, you look at the history of this team, at least being in the conversation, uh, it's the, the Vikings, I get, they've had some bad luck, but they're not cursed. They're not, and, and if they are, definitely not more than the Jets. So, uh, let's not go that far. We go back to the phone lines. Charlie and Queens has been waiting patiently. What's up, Charlie? Talk to me. Good morning, Ty. First off, love the show. Thank Long you, man. Listener. Appreciate you. Congrats on the success as, as uh, thus far. You are a kind and man. Thank you. I appreciate that. So going into last night's Yankee game, I'm a huge Yankees fan. Um, I have to put the blame half on Boone and half on Holmes. And like every listener said on the on the show, and you mentioned it yourself, Holmes is great in the first half of the season, which, you know, deserved an all-star appearance. Success to that, great. However, he's been dropping the ball lately. However, And then, you know, Chapman doing well the last couple of starts. Why didn't Boone put him in the ninth and then end it with Peralta if Chapman, if, if Chapman would have run into trouble? I mean, not for nothing, you got to put Chapman back in the closing role because Holmes is not fulfilling that role. I know we lost Michael King, but still, yeah. why didn't Boone uh, stick with uh, Chapman to go to the ninth and then end it with and, and Peralta? Yeah, so I, I, I'm with you, man, because like on the surface, and especially in retrospect, you can look at how the Red Sox in the eighth inning had their bottom of the order. In the ninth inning, they had uh, their top of the order. So if you feel more confident in, in Chapman then just by virtue of that alone, he should have been pitching in the ninth inning and then Clay Holmes in the eighth. I think Boone wanted to roll the dice, give Clay Holmes one more shot at it, thinking he could correct himself. But, I mean, he he took a chance and, and it bit him, and, and it just didn't work out. But if I had to guess, and we'll hear from Aaron Boone, if I had to guess, we've seen the last of Clay Holmes as the Yankee closer. I think Chapman, because of how good he's been lately, and on contrary, uh, you know, on the contrary, um, Clay Holmes has just been a disappointment since the All Star break. I think we will see them flip those roles, and an order would have been restored. Which, by the way, I think is the best case scenario because in a playoff game, I do trust Chapman more than I do trust Clay Holmes. In the ninth inning. One hour down, two more to play with. Your phone calls coming up. We'll get into the Mets as well. Yankees, Jets, Giants, Mets. It's all on the table right here on 987 ESPN. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.